What's going on, everybody? Back to you guys. Sorry, that was weird. Um, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode seven here of the Chengabi Show. Uh, today, as usual, we're kind of going all over the place, and uh, it's going to be a fun, fun show. A lot of stuff happened this week, particularly in the music world with Kanye West dropping his album. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of our diversity icons and how maybe we've overrated them or have we? I don't know. Let's answer that question later. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about sports media, uh, the whole shebang. So it should be a good episode. should be a lot of fun. So let's get right into it because you know we're on a time crunch and I haven't done push-ups for the last two and I intend to keep it like that. So let's get right into it. How are we doing today? Again, uh, it's summer, full swing of things. Um, things are going well, man. And I've actually just started instituting like different things to do um, now that it's summer. So I'm experimenting kind of with my routine. Uh, you know, I used to do the thing like when school started, like I would wake up super early and, you know, exercise in the morning and like it was way more regimented but i feel like with summer now um and like there being kind of less work and what and whatnot and like less school stuff to worry about and like actual deadlines that you can kind of play around with your routine so i've been waking up a little bit later which makes me happy uh but also i don't know if that's a good thing is it a good thing to be a night owl is it a good thing to be a morning person i have no idea um but yeah uh did the afghanistan show last week i saw a lot of you guys showed a lot of love for it i really appreciate everything that you guys have done promoting the episode um people really seem to enjoy the clips i put out and all of the stuff on tiktok so really really love that thank you guys it's an issue that's very important i think uh and I had a lot of fun making it and I had a lot of fun kind of learning about it. I also finished reading The Kite Runner. So I'm going to be uh, more content on that a little later this week. Um, but I have a question. Do you guys want to see more of these like current event type episodes? Is this Was that something that you guys really liked where I kind of delved in completely into, an ep- into a topic and talked about kind of all of the different angles? Was that something you guys appreciated? Was that something that you guys found stupid? Uh, let me know, like whatever opinion it is, feel free, hit me up in my DMs, comment on this YouTube video, you know, whatever it is that you guys feel, uh, definitely do let me know. Um, honestly, I'm <laughs> shit. I'm just throwing shit at the wall and seeing like what sticks and seeing what people like, seeing what people don't like. Um, so that way I can kind of make content that I like, but at the same time, make content that the people want to watch and they find entertaining because, you know, if you guys don't find it entertaining, I can't make money off this eventually it's not like i'm making any money now i'm making zero money off this podcast i want to make that very clear uh but yeah i'm just kind of throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks um but yeah i did really going back to the afghanistan episode like i really enjoyed digging into that um topic and really learning a lot about it from all sorts of different lenses uh because it is something that i think does need to be talked about and not only that but also i just found it like fascinating like when you look at a news issue i feel like when a lot of us scan headlines on apple news or cnn or msnbc or fox or wherever the fuck you get your news from you're just looking at headlines you're looking at one side of the story but what i realized like doing really diving into this afghanistan issue is there's at least 15 different points of view on this right i mean you have the people living in afghanistan you have the soldiers point of view you have the government's point of view you have the afghani government's point of view you have the taliban like i can go on and on and on and everyone has their own different perspective with their own biases and 
I think it's cool to like dig into that and really um, kind of figure out like the true story. Uh, I'm not saying you can figure out like the exact truth because that's the thing, right? Is what is truth? And that leads to a whole philosophical debate, which I could, you know, talk for hours on, but it's, it was really cool to be able to like fully dig in uh, to a story like this. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. So um, yeah, that's what I'll say about, uh, about that Afghanistan episode. And thank you for all the love that you guys showed me. It really means a lot. Um, definitely was something that was much appreciated, but on a personal note, I'm doing good. Things are vibing. It's summertime. It's the end of summer. Uh, so everybody's leaving, which is unfortunate. Uh, but you know, your boy has more time to focus on you guys. I got a date with my podcast crew and let's get right into this first topic because we're talking all things sports media today. Shout out to my boy, Grant Cohn, who I interviewed on episode nine. Actually, real quick shout out, reading his dad, Lowell Cohn's uh, book that he wrote, I believe it was about a year ago. Um, it's called Gloves Off been reading this the last couple of days absolutely love it it is fantastic 100% recommend reading this book uh even if you don't like sports it's a type of book that's just it's written in such a nice style uh at least the, i like the style it's written in i love how it's just little short essays and not like a full book uh, and I love the structure of that uh, i'm a big fan and uh i look forward to continue reading the book um and it should be fun so that was my little quick shout out and i'm definitely going to do a topic on it at some point when i finish it uh but yeah great book and that's about and it's about sports writing and you know little covered team covered teams in the bay area for 40 years so that's pretty cool but let's talk about the current sports media landscape so kevin durant and draymond a couple of weeks ago did an interview uh, together draymond conducted it uh and basically it was ba the both of them in a room kind of like rehashing their issues uh you know while they were teammates with the warriors you know obviously it's well documented that they fought during a particular game against the clippers and things were basically pointed to that event and basically at that like when when they fought it was basically like media started speculating at that point that kevin durant was going to leave the warriors and he eventually did that offseason for the Nets. So basically that was brought back to life when Draymond Green asked and posed the question of like what really went down that during that fight. Um, it was a huge, it was, well, Kevin Durant and Draymond were very honest, first of all, two people who are very honest in the media, which I mean, they're both like journalist dreams in a lot of it, in a lot of the sense, because you know, you're giving journalists sound bites to post on Twitter and uh, send to the fans who had a frenzy with it. And basically they both talked about how um, they thought the Warriors front office and the coaching staff handled it poorly and how it was, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it was basically like turned into this whole thing where the Warriors front office and management looked horrible. Um, which, yeah, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of the front office, uh, as many people know. Um, and the coaching staff is is a little suspect to, you know. I, I did like Steve Kerr, but this season, you know, it was a little, a little eh. But we'll, we'll, that's all about basketball. We're talking about sports media. So how did this interview, like, change the landscape of sports media? Are we going to see more stuff of players just having, like, one-on-one -on -one conversations with each other? I've noticed this trend of, like, players basically going and um can and and kind of putting their own truth out on the internet it's not necessarily that they're you know 
putting out like kind or they're they're waiting for some journalist to be uh, a middleman to put out an interview, but they're putting out content themselves. I mean, look at Instagram lives like Debo Samuel, for example, who's a wide receiver on the Niners this offseason, would basically just like have other players go on his Instagram live and not interview them, but they would have like casual conversations in a very casual setting and it would deliver quotes, you know, like I, it's turning sports media is kind of turning into something that I feel like the players are trying to monopolize. I mean, not monopolize, but I mean, you look at Naomi Osaka and all the complaints or not the complaints, but all of the things that she said about the press um, and how like press conferences cause her anxiety and you have to think about that eventually I feel like with this upcoming generation of athletes who were raised in a society where mental health is prioritized, you're going to start to see maybe less and less of this like, you know, 30 on one, 30 reporters on one athlete type scenario and more so of these intimate one-on-one conversations with athlete on athlete where I feel like you almost it's a win-win for journalists too because journalists aren't necessarily getting the best responses from these press conferences. Yeah, you'll get a gold nugget once in a while, but are you getting the best content from these press conferences when you have press conferences with athletes? Oftentimes they're pre-prepared answers, you know? It's like, oh, the opponents we're playing are tough. They fly around the field, you know, they tackle hard, they play hard and they compete till the last second. Like that's some fucking bullshit that you hear everywhere. Like that's some it's a canned response, but like you saw what can and but if you guys haven't seen it, go watch the interview with Kevin Durant and Draymond. It was so unfiltered. It was so real. And it was almost because it was because of the fact that they're teammates, that they have familiarity with each other, that they can relate to one another because they're both athletes that played for the same team like that. That got the quotes out there. That got the relatability out there. You see Kevin Durant in a press conference would have never said half that shit. That's what I'm trying to say is, is the sports media landscape changing in that our pl- are we going to see more of these one-on-one player interviews? Because that's, I mean, that's been cool. You started to see it a little bit now too, even with like the way that kind of like journalists are starting YouTube channels. I mean, like this, uh, that whole idea of like just constantly putting out uh, content on like every little thing is definitely like changing the landscape. I feel like the old sports media, which is, I mean, kind of the book that I'm reading right now, um, kind of talks about like columnists and how you know it was you had to wait till the next day to hear like the reaction of journalists right you had to wait till the chronicle came to your door before you could read Lowell Cohn's column about the about the Giants or about the Warriors or whatever right now everything is instantaneous you go on Twitter during the middle you go on Twitter during the middle of the first quarter of a football game like you have 800 different takes on what happened on one play that is ridiculous that is crazy Because that's technology, and I feel like we almost are seeing media change with the technology that is being presented. I mean, look at look at Grant and what he's doing with his YouTube channel. I mean, it's literally every single piece of like every single angle that you could possibly take with the Niners headline. Grant has tried right, and he's examining it through different lenses by bringing on different guests that may have different viewpoints and. I think that is where the future of sports media is, not necessarily these uh, columns and opinions and writing. I mean, newspapers are dying. Like, that's been clear. So, you know, it's it's pretty cool. Um, are we? So my main points were, are we going to see kind of more of these one-on-one player interactions? Uh, YouTube could 
totally be the future for sports journalists. I mean, just look at some what some of the Niner beat writers are doing. And I, I just go to Niner Twitter as an example of that because I feel like they kind of are the future of where we see sports journalism heading. I'm not familiar with other NFL fan bases. They could be doing this as well, but yeah. And I mean, the other thing I wanted to talk about is bias is going to exist no matter what. I mean, no matter who the journalist is, like bias will semi-exist. That's what got me thinking is like, is there a real truth when it comes to anything? Not as not even necessarily sports media, but I mean, regular media. Does truth, do, is there a fundamental truth? I I feel like in a lot of cases there isn't. You know, particularly, I mean, you look at sports, a lot of it is left up to interpretation for journalists to craft narratives uh, to feed to the fans. You know, I feel like I feel like every fan has their own unique take. I feel like every journalist has a unique take based on biases, based on facts that they hear, you know, all of these things, they shape our worldview. So that's been interesting is like sports media is definitely changing. And I feel like you're going to you get hella different narratives now because you have so many people who have access to one another right i feel like access is like access in terms of like you know people of higher social platforms and people of lower social platforms like that gap is dwindling because of social media but at the same time like access is also getting harder because i feel like people are kind of sticking to their click a little bit more um, particularly in the sports world. I feel like it's, it's, and with COVID and everything, like journalists can't get into the locker rooms anymore. So it's tough. Um, so I feel like access to athletes is becoming a little harder. You don't see at much of these one-on-one -on -one interviews, right? Like before we used to see hella one-on-one -on -one interviews with like, you know, Rachel Nichols and so-and-so athlete. I know Rachel Nichols is like, you know, canceled or whatever, but you get my point. I mean, you're seeing less and less of these journalists like interview athletes now, and it's more so like athletes on athletes and I feel like that's where it's trending and it's going to be interesting to see kind of where the landscape shifts. And I feel like we're seeing a shift due to COVID uh, partially uh, of the sports media kind of shift, which is really cool. And I enjoy it because I actually really like watching the media as well for sports. I feel, I feel like that's a really interesting topic that no one really talks about. Um, so that's our sports topic for the day. Speaking of media, we'll talk about someone who had his own Netflix show. Hassan Minaj, Hassan Minaj, someone we haven't really heard from in a while. Um, are we overrating him? Are we overrating Hassan Minaj? Like, I'm being honest, right? I, I feel like we do this as, you know, people. Uh, let's take a look at this. I'm a South Asian American. I don't necessarily have that much representation in the media right now. Am I? And I, I had to examine this the other day. I was like, am I? Do I give Hassan Minaj a lot of passes? Do I? overrate Hassan Minaj because he's one of maybe three people on TV right now who's like mainstream and like lit is do I overrate him and the answer is probably honestly yeah that's why I, I'm making the same argument with never have I ever and I was like and this is like my thought process is I was sitting there and I was like okay I make this argument with never have I ever that we are overrating it because we're Indian but I'm like holy shit we do the same thing with Hassan like we literally are doing the same thing with Hassan Minaj we overrate him because of the fact that he's Indian and we give him a lot more passes. Despite that, I'm, let me list all the good things he's done. Homecoming King was great. I don't think that show is overrated. I actually think not enough people talk about it. You know, it was something that was popular way back in the day, like four or five years ago when it came out. But now like people are like, oh, it just kind of happened. But that's, you know, the normal media cycle. But 
I, I, I do agree. Homecoming King is great. Homecoming King was fantastic. And I, you know, I, he fully deserves all the praise he gets. Patriot Act though. Patriot Act though. Uh, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Here's how I feel about Patriot Act. I'll give you my honest thoughts. Patriot Act is interesting because it's a show that is very left-leaning, okay? Very progressive ideals-leaning, which, I mean, sure, is good because most of mainstream media is progressive anyway. But also, like, I don't know. Sometimes it just wasn't funny. Sometimes it was, like, more informative than it was funny. I appreciated the stories that Hassan covered. Right, because there was a lot of things that he touched on that were very important, and I I fully agree with. But also, I think that a lot of the stuff that he, a, a lot of the jokes that he would make, were very like I don't know. They, it just felt like he was kind of pandering to liberals a little bit, which is fine because that may be his political leanings. But I don't know. I, it didn't feel like a balanced take on things, in my opinion. Um, to some extent, but I do appreciate the issues that he was covering, but I don't think we should give him a pass because, you know, oh, like he's, he's pandering to liberals, right? Like, I I think that 100% we should keep him, give him some accountability as to like, dude, like, that's not cool. You can't just be like going once, hammering one side down the whole time. And that's why he's hella popular in mainstream media now is because he went with the liberals. He kind of went Hollywood in that sense. Uh, you know, is there does conservative satire work? I don't know. Probably not. But I mean, I would have appreciated if he'd kind of, you know, said I get it to the other side once in a while. But it felt like it was very much like his own version of The Daily Show. Um, do I appreciate what he's done for other comedians? Absolutely. Am I saying that he's bad? No, not in any means. I'm just saying that he like we as they sees should not necessarily just go along with everything that he does. There are reports on Patriot Act that there are several women who basically reported that it was a toxic working environment. Is it due to Hassan Minaj? We don't know that. We don't know that. But I think, you know, that's like one criticism. I feel like we let a lot of things slide because these guys are our beacons of representation, but they should also be, you know, criticized fairly, in my opinion, is how I feel about it. And that's why I'm saying, like, have we overrated Hassan Minaj? The answer is maybe a little bit. Well, probably not a lot, but maybe a little bit. I have biases, too. I let a lot of things slide with Hassan for a while. I let a lot of things slide. But I w- go back and I think about it. And I'm like, huh, maybe. Maybe that's something that, you know, wasn't necessarily the best. You know, maybe that joke was a little left-leaning. Maybe the whole show is a little left-leaning in general. But but yeah, I mean, I'm still going to go see him live in San Francisco when he comes to do the King's Jester. Absolutely. I'll be there. Um, so, you know, it's not like I hate him. I don't. I don't hate Hassan Minaj. And I don't mean to make this topic as like a hateful topic. I'm just saying that I feel like every ethnic group does this, you know, because we have so little representation in Hollywood that we kind of latch on to our beacons of representation and think that they can do no wrong. When in reality, that they can they're normal people, they're celebrities, and they shouldn't be, you know, immune to criticism. That's my point. So that's all I'm going to say about Hassan Minaj. Um, love him. Uh, I still really do like him. I do like a lot of his work and I'm going to see him in San Francisco. So that's going to be exciting. Um, transitioning from Hassan Minaj. Uh, I think there's, you know, 
Hasan Minhaj is not a one and done in Hollywood. But I was thinking about the one and dones in Hollywood. Uh, what I mean by one and dones are like the actors, the actresses who had that like one hella good show or one really good movie role that they're just kind of known for. And they just kind of dip off the surface of the earth after that. Um, and or they have like a period of time where they're in a lot of stuff and then they just kind of go, you know, ghost mode. So I was thinking about these people, right? Because I feel like they don't, there's a lot of these one and dones that don't get enough love. They don't get enough love, bro. A lot of these one and dones. I mean, they, they do good on their shows. And then I feel like they just kind of either move on to their families or move on to other projects and, you know, various reasons. I 100% agree. But here's the thing. I, you know, I think that they, more of these one and done should be like popular. I think more of these one and done should be like introduced like back into spinoffs. And I feel like we're kind of seeing that now. Um, so like, let me talk about some of the one and dones <laughs> who have like the one show or movie. Kate Hudson. You remember her? She was in that movie uh, with Matthew McConaughey, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. The movie was a massive hit. It was a rom-com like, you know, all over the fucking theaters in 2003. And then like Kate Hudson had like a couple more movies and then she like kind of dipped like in the in 2021 is kate hudson relevant maybe not maybe she doesn't want it to be that way i don't know right jennifer love hewitt uh you know had one big role i think in the 90s and then she turned down robin and how i met your mother and then just kind of dipped jennifer love hewitt has not been the same alicia silverstone had chair and clueless and then she's been done uh meg ryan had two rom-coms with tom hanks sleepless in seattle and you've got mail and then bye bye uh hillary duff had lizzie mcguire and then dipped matthew perry had chandler and then <laughs> in friends and then had one kind of you know like tv movie that i saw him in i think and then he just dipped cal penn had kumar went on to have a very successful political career kind of you know trying to find his way back in acting but he's 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 around um Ashley Tisdale had Maddie in the Sweet Life of Zach and Cody, Sharpay, couple other blonde Disney Channel roles, dipped. Katie Holmes, Dawson's Creek in the late 90s, dipped. Like, these are the type of people I'm talking about. I would love to see a revival of these people. Like, imagine we just get, like, a rom-com with, like, Silverstone, Hudson, Jennifer Love Hewitt, just, like, all back. It's like, okay. Like, they made a movie called He's All That on Netflix. Which looks like absolute trash, by the way. I will not be watching it because it's got Addison Ray as the lead. I'm like, dude, instead of Addison Ray, who is very relevant right now, why don't we bring back Alicia Silverstone? Why don't we bring back Kate Hudson as the mother? She doesn't have to be the main figure either. She can be the mom. I want to see a revival of all these people, right? But then that got me thinking. I was like, okay, we have this whole list of like 90s to 2000s people of like one and dones. So like, who are our generation's one and dones? So I came up with a little list that I, I want to see what you guys think. Blake Lively had Gossip Girl. She's been like in and out. She had like one movie with Anna Kendrick called A Simple Favor, which was not very good. But then she's just been married to Ryan Reynolds. So she's been chilling. I want to see Blake Lively. Blake Lively's cool. I liked Blake Lively. I thought she was dope. Okay. Then you have Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer was popular for like a total of two years. She had like a Comedy Central show and then she had that movie Trainwrecked and that was about it. Like I have not heard of Amy Schumer ever since. Um, you know, she's been relatively quiet. 
Uh, she had like her phase. Did she get canceled? I'm not sure if she got canceled. I think she might have. Uh, that's probably why we haven't heard from her. Um, Josh Radner, guy who played Ted Mosby on How I Met Your Mother. There's like a whole thing. Like he was basically blacklisted from Hollywood after Ted, which is shocking because I think he did a really good job and I don't think he deserved to be blacklisted from uh, from Hollywood like that. Maybe he went into directing. I don't actually know the story of all these people. You know what? I would love to have one of these like one and dones, quote unquote, on my podcast and let's talk about where they went after their big roles. I would love to talk to Katie Holmes and be like, okay, you went on Dawson's Creek, acted in a couple movies that, well, critically flopped, married Tom Cruise, divorced Tom Cruise, had a daughter. What's your life like? I'm interested. I'm interested. I'm genuinely interested in these people. Um, you know, and here's another one. Here's a little hot take. Could Zoe De Chanel be a one and done? Everyone's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's Zoe, bro. No, 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 no. She was on New Girl. She was on 500 Days of Summer. She was on. Yeah, see, that's about it. It was New Girl, 500 Days of Summer. That's literally. I mean, I think Zoe. Zoe Deschanel is great. I think she could play so many different roles. And I'm not even sitting here and shitting on her because I think she's a good actress. But is she one and done, man? Is she one and done? How, are we going to see her in the next decade? That is a yet to be seen type thing, right? Because New Girl got over three years ago. Whatever. Maybe she's enjoying her life, chilling like a villain. IDK, bro. But I just haven't heard from Zoe in a while. I haven't heard from her. I want to see her in a movie. She's dope. I like her. I liked her as Jess on New Girl. So I would like to see her again. But where's she at, though? Where's she at, though? So, like, that's what I'm trying to say. Um, But there is a list of actors and these, like, actresses who were one and dones. And then all of a sudden just came back out of nowhere. Just boom, 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 boom. Like, everything just kind of fell into place. Let me give you a list of kind of the one and dones that I came up with who made a comeback. Penn Badgley. You remember him? He played Dan Humphrey in Gossip Girl. Kind of went OTG for a little bit. 2018, 2019 rolls around you. Boom. Massive hit. He's back. Penn Badgley's back. His career is back. Mandy Moore. Mandy Moore is one that's like, oh, who is that? And then like, you know, like she was like a pop star in the 2000s. She dated Andy Roddick, you know, the vibes. And then she kind of dipped for a bit and her career was on the decline. The music wasn't hitting as different as it did. And then this is us hit. Boom. Emmy noms careers back up. Right. Kaylee Kuko played Penny on the Big Bang Theory. Okay. 12 seasons. Great run. Kind of dipped for like, you know what? Big Bang Theory ended in like 2017, 2018. Dipped for a couple years. She wasn't really a one and done, to be honest. And then. 2021 hits, pandemic hits, this show, The Flight Attendant, comes out on HBO Max, big hit, done, right? So it happens, it happens. These people could come back. Alicia Silverstone, I want to see back. Katie Holmes, I would love to see back. Kate Hudson, Hilary Duff, I'm looking at y'all. I'm looking at y'all. I want to see y'all in some critically acclaimed shit. Let's get it going. I want to see my one and dones back. That's all I'm saying. Um, And I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people out there too. I spent a lot of time on that topic, so I'm going to transition from one and dones to a guy who is critically acclaimed in the music industry. Kanye West dropped his album recently, oh, last last or last weekend. He dropped his album Donda. Uh, very you know hyped. Everybody was waiting for it. Everybody was excited for it. Uh, everybody wanted to see it. 
and hear it. And it came out. And I thought I would give my take. Uh, and it's going to be a take that pisses off a lot of people. This album was, as the kids say it, mid. This album was mid, mid, mid. This album was a solid 5 to 6 out of 10, guys. I don't give a fuck, okay? This was okay. And for Kanye's standards of 5 or 6 out of 10, for any other artist, it's like a 7, right? So, like, but I'm just, this is Kanye West. This is a guy who's supposed to be a pinnacle of the music industry. And he just released some very middle-of-the-pack stuff. And people are going to defend Kanye and act like it's some art. And like, oh, it's named after his mom, which is great. I have no problems with that. But people are just going to go out there and defend it. And it's not that good an album. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It is not that good an album. I had to, I couldn't listen to the whole thing straight up because it was so like hard to get through. All the songs were just wildly inconsistent. It was weird. It felt like he was trying. He sounded like a grandpa, and that he was trying to like sound like the new age, but didn't necessarily sound like that new age rap, and didn't do a very good job of it. It was weird. It was this whack kind of combination. It was. I, I haven't really looked into like the symbolism behind the lyrics or any of that, but I'm gonna be honest. It wasn't that good an album. It wasn't that good an album, and I wasn't that big a fan. Um, a couple songs that I had some notes on Jesus Lord is kind of the example, uh, that exemplifies how I feel about this album, which was this album was just misplaced emotions. I feel like I listened back to graduation yesterday and I was like, okay, this album has the right amount of anger in it. I feel like graduation has that slight edge to it where it's not like crazy edgy and like crazy Kanye angry, but it's not like oh, happy, yay, life is so great, you know, fucking Jason Mraz playing the guitar, like, it's not like that, like, Jesus Lord is the song that exemplifies Kanye's misplaced emotions, the song goes all over the place, it shows his, like, real emotional state, right, and it's just a very, it's a wildly, wildly inconsistent song, just like this album, this album is wildly inconsistent, there's highs, the hurricane early in the album, great song, you know, uh, believe what I say, kind of middle of the album, great song. And then you have songs like, okay, okay. Where Kanye is basically just imitating J Cole. Like, let's be honest. He's imitating Cole junior, uh, where he has like one good Giannis bar that he repeats like three times. And it just, and there's a couple Drake disses in there, but he's just trying to sound like this. Like he's trying to use this like new age flow that doesn't work for him. You're Kanye West, bro. Like, stick to what you're good at. And you're great at a lot of things, bro. Like, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, I don't know. Um, 24 was whatever. Like, I didn't find Jail to be a particularly memorable song. Um, it just wasn't a very good album, in my opinion, uh, for Kanye West standards. Like, I had to listen to Graduation to, like, kind of, like, realize why I love Kanye West so much. Uh, I'm glad I did. So, but yeah absolutely it's it's just a very whatever album i feel like the take that i'm trying to like bring to you guys is that healthy anger and rap is good you need you need a little bit of anger behind those bars because that's what like gives it that edge that's what gives it that oomph. like when it comes to the music you know that's what makes the bars hit a little harder but i feel like kanye doesn't know what to feel right now he's all over the place the emotions are misplaced in different songs and that's what it feels like. And I feel like when you have misplaced emotions, it turns into a project like Donda, which frankly was just very okay.
It was very average. It was very mid, as the kids say these days. Um, and yeah, it was it was it was like people are going on TikTok and saying this is the artistically greatest project that they've ever seen. It's a generational drop. Uh, you know, blah blah blah. I'm like, no, I'm sorry, bro. Like it's it's whatever. It's very whatever. Um, and people are gonna overrate it because it's Kanye, but I I was you know whatever. It's it's very whatever project. And I think. I think another example that I give of like misplaced emotion is logic. I mean, I feel like this recent album he released Bobby Tarantino three was, I mean, it was very, it wasn't even mid, it was like lower, lower mid as the kids say, uh, it was just not very good. And I listened to the album and I was like, okay, I didn't, I didn't really like this. Um, and it, it felt like the same thing, misplaced emotions. He was going all over the place, you know? And I feel like when, I, when rappers try to go all over the place, it, it goes everywhere but i feel like every artist goes through this cycle where they have like their ups and their downs with albums and you just kind of gotta ride with it um i'm not giving up on kanye by any means like i gave up on adam levine but yeah you know like I, this was an okay project and i'm sorry if that broke your guys's hearts that i don't don't think that donda is the best project um but yeah we got two more topics to get through so let's do them uh so going from kanye and this negativity i'm gonna try to inject some positivity into this show got ahmed masood uh the name everyone should know uh this is our news topic for the day i remember i mean we've been talking about afghanistan for the last week so i figured i'd do an afghanistan news topic and kind of elaborate on something that i didn't really talk much about um on when was it <laughs> last week uh on the episode i kind of mentioned the name ahmed masood but i think this is a name that everybody should know and i think this is a name that's going to be immensely popular in the next two years uh, in the next few years, because this guy is the leader of the resistance movement in Afghanistan, kind of the Mujahideen 2.0. Um, so who is he? He's well, he's the leader of the biggest anti-rebel group in Afghanistan. They're kind of located in this northwestern corner of the country. Um, it's called the Panjshir province. I apologize if I completely butchered the pronunciation. Uh, but yeah, it's like the northwestern province. And basically what Ahmed Massoud is trying to like, you know, fight for is just a democratic country and, you know, like basic civil liberties that often Afghanis don't have um, and that whole vibe. And that is what he is going for. Um, you know, and unfortunately for Ahmed Massoud is he has a little bit of resources during this whole Taliban U.S. war, he was stockpiling resources. He had stockpiled resources from the 90s uh, because he figured that this would happen again once the U.S. left. So he has a little bit, but he doesn't have enough to take out the Taliban who are like a fully fledged, you know, fucking 200,000 person army that, you know, is all over the mountains ready to booby trap you at any time. Like he has he has a decent amount of resources. He doesn't have a lot. He doesn't have a crazy amount of resources or anything. Um and so that's what it is, is like he's basically writing op-eds in like opinion editorials in all of these various newspapers. Like I'm talking um, like New York Times, like every like big publication in the United States and everywhere, like around the world, France, particularly France. He's writing these big op-eds basically begging people for help because he doesn't have the resources that right now to be able to take out the Taliban. And that's fair. I mean, that's really his only move at this point. Like you can't, what are you going to do? Like you, he's trying to recruit Afghanis, I guess, 
But a lot of them are skeptical of him because they saw what happened with the Muhajideen and what happened in that whole situation. And it wasn't great. Um, and, you know, how the Muhajideen basically turned into a form of the Taliban. They, they're like, whatever, like, we're just going to be in an infinite cycle of this. Uh, do I believe in Ahmed Massoud? Like, I like to assume good intentions. Like, I'd like to assume that if he ever, you know, got the chance to take power in Kabul, like, he wouldn't, you know, resort to fucking terrorism. But does he have a democratic structure? I don't know. But is he the biggest leader of the rebels right now against the Taliban? Yeah. Yeah, he is. And he's going to be the figure that's basically fighting and trying to sort of recruit help from all sorts of different places to get this, to, to, to try to take down this massive terrorist organization. And we'll see what happens. It's going to be tough, but we'll see what happens. Um, and he is very polarizing. And I think his, and his main goal right now is to get help from the French. That's his one thing right now um, in Afghanistan is getting help from the French uh, because they have a prior relationship with him. Um, and yeah, that's his plan. Uh, they have a prior relationship with his father and there's like a street in France named after his father because he's a freedom fighter and stuff. So yeah, um, that's what Amin Masood is up to. Uh, and I think that's a name that you guys should know and do further research into. I thought I would just shine a little bit of light on it. And if you haven't checked out the Afghanistan episode, go check it out. It's really good. Uh, so we got one more topic left. Why is sports important to me? Okay, let's do this real quick. Sports. Why is it important to me? People ask me all the time, they're like, oh my God, an age, particularly at parties. Oh my God, you're so into sports. Oh, why? And I'm like, well, okay, here's the reason. Um, I think I'm into sports because, I mean, primarily because of the entertainment and my computer's at 1%. So pardon this interruption. Okay. See that quick interruption? Okay. I think I'm into sports for a couple of reasons. I think the first reason that I'm into sports is because of the entertainment, like I was saying. Um, sports is just, it's this incredibly fascinating subject in that you have basically people who are, you know, competing for their livelihoods and like, it's just, it's fascinating. I don't know. Like when you watch a game, like, there's so many layers within the game. I know like there's a lot of jokes that are like, oh, sports is so simple. That's why men like it. <laughs> no, it's not. Like there's so many sociological implications within this whole thing. I mean, I feel like if you if you were to think on a deeper level, sports is more than anything. It, it's literally billion dollar franchises battling to see who's the best. Like it's, it's basically corporate fucking America. Like if you think about it on that level. Um, so that's entertaining. I think it's entertaining on many different levels, not just the, the game that you see in front of you. Um, I think the second thing is, and by the way, I'm not going to do push-ups because I had a camera interruption. Second thing that I really like sports is, I don't know, it's just, it's a way for me to rep my community and rep where I'm from because I feel like there's not a lot of opportunities to do that. Uh, you know, I, and I feel like sports is a great way to show like, A, born and raised in the Bay, like, you know, supporting your team, supporting your city. Um, and I feel like I've been able to, you know, get closer to my community through sports. And it also builds a community around you because you attract people who are also into sports, who are also from the same hometown as you, and you have that similarity, which is kind of cool. And I think 
and I've always said this, once you develop memories surrounding a subject, like it's something that you can never take back. So like, yeah, when I've seen like crazy sports moments happen with people, it is, you know, those are memories that are etched in my mind forever. And I think that's why it's important to me is that, you know, it, it creates community, it bonds people together, and it's sociologically just a very fascinating subject. I mean, if you think about it on a deeper level about what sports really is, I mean, it's billion dollar franchises battling to see who's the best. That's the first thing. You have all these interesting players who are literally like characters in a video game who have all these crazy things that are happening. It's 24 by seven reality TV, if you think about it. I mean, Adrian Wojnarowski could put out a tweet at 3 a.m. saying Russell Westbrook is traded and everyone's freaking out. You know, that's the crazy part about sports is it's always moving. And it doesn't matter if you take a day off. It doesn't matter if it's a Sunday. Sports is still moving. Kevin Durant signed with the Warriors on the 4th of July. <laughs> that should prove that sports is always moving. And that's the coolest part about it, I think. And that's why I probably like it on a deeper level rather than just, oh, yeah, it's a game and it's sick. And when Steph Curry hits a fucking three-pointer, I get a half chub. Like, yeah, I mean, there's that. But also, you know, there's these other things. So I think that's it for today. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning into the Chingavi show episode seven in the books. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this, the Kaepernick episode. Um, get it? Cause seven. Uh, but yeah, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Like, and subscribe on YouTube. Follow me on Spotify. Follow me on Apple podcasts. You know, the deal, you know, the vibes. All right. That's all I got. I'm gonna leave y'all with that. Okay. Peace out. Have a great day guys. Peace.